0: Thank you for joining me on episode 10 of the Unique On Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, and I am just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Jesus Christ. And today I have my friend, my hero, single parent, Patty Weathers on. And this is a message of hope, and encouragement, and I hope that you will be inspired by her story today. Welcome back to the podcast of Unique on Purpose, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. And uh, I'm excited. I'm always excited because I always have somebody that I just absolutely love. Patty's laughing at me. She's, (laughs) this is a person that I have I'm going to tr- try, Patty, I'm going to try so hard not to cry as we <laughs> talk today. You're my hero. You're a single mom of seven. You have a bachelor's in social work. You now work for an organization called Single Mom Ministries that uh, you're, you're the resource specialist. You help mentor other single moms. And you're one of the, just the many examples that I look to, someone who took their painful situation and you turned it into
1: purpose so thank you for being here today thank you for having me i'm excited too it's always (laughs) great to see you and yes i know we're gonna (laughs) sit and laugh and cry (laughs) hey laughing is
0: a good thing we can do that crying is a good thing but patty you may not have heard of patty weathers but she is famous in my world because she is my hero because i have watched her walk through through tragedy watched her walk through some of the hardest times in her life and we met probably I don't know 10, 11 years ago when we started attending the same church, but I want you to take us back. You know, right now you're just you're a success story, but that didn't happen overnight. It took oh, a long no. time mm-hmm. to get where you are, but I want to start at the beginning of your pain. So talk a little bit about who you are first. Who's Patty Weathers?
1: Well, normally and most of the time, and we just talked about this briefly before the microphone was on, is that when you're a single mom, that's who you say you are. Yeah. You are a single mom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and But you're more than that. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to get out of that mode because that's all you live.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> so first of all, I want to say I'm a daughter of the king. Amen. That has been my journey was with him and how he has brought me to where I am.
0: Were you raised in a Christian home?
1: Well, you can put quote marks around that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Started out as Catholic, went to a Lutheran church in fourth grade, and then that's where I was more by the time I got married. But after everything happened in my life and I got divorced, that's when I started going to Living Hope, and that's where I realized that it was a Christian in quotes. My parents didn't walk the walk. They were the Sunday Christians, all appearances.
0: So when you say that you went to this church, Living Hope Church, which is a local church here in town, those of you that are listening outside of Michigan... Would you say that is really when you kind of surrendered your heart to Jesus?
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Okay. So back up, you got married. Did you meet your husband at the Lutheran Church? Uh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Where did you meet your I husband? I met him at the Old Town Playhouse.
0: Okay. And what is that?
1: That is a local theater group. Okay. And so we were both in a play together.
0: And so what happened
1: from there? Go ahead and walk me through that. Um, We started dating. It was a rough start because he was three years younger than me. And that was kind of a big deal in my eyes a little bit because he just graduated high school and so I was out of school for a while but we kind of got past that there were lots of warning signs but when you're in love and in dating and all of that stuff you kind of ignore it you think Mm -hmm. oh it'll get better and it's just this or it's just that and it didn't but I went ahead with it anyway Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the children I have so I can't second guess and go back right But, um, so we got married, we were married for three years before we had our first son and it, you know, we kept going. And the thing that people don't get about abuse, I think, is it's not bad all the time. Mm. There is always that, if you want to talk about hope, there's always that hope that it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. There's always that hope that you'll get that person to change, which is a really wrong way to look at it because... You can't change anyone.
0: Is that why you see so much, uh, quote unquote, battered wife syndrome is because there are good times. And so you don't want to discount the good times because of the the small amount of bad times.
1: Oh, yeah. And because usually the abuser, for the most part, comes back and tells you, oh, I'm sorry, and blah, 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 and it'll get better, and then maybe it will for a little bit. I'm not going to get the statistics right because they change, but most of the time, I believe it's six or seven times somebody leaves their abuser before they're finally leaving permanently. Wow. Because you... Want to believe that person? Okay, you don't want to give up all the time and everything you've invested in yourself and them. What you've given away mm-hmm. to
2: them—it's
1: mm-hmm. just very, very hard. And in my situation, I had always wanted to just be a mom and a wife. Mm-hmm. That and was your dream in life? that was my dream in life. I didn't go to college when I got out of high school. I got a job, which was great. I worked in a law office. I loved it. But I I had no plans for a career Mm -hmm. other than being a mom and a wife. So when we started to have kids, part of me, again, which is a really bad way to look at it, thought, oh, it'll get better because kids change things. You have other things you have to do. But really,
0: it it exemplifies the hardship. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, may I ask what kind of abuse? Because there's all... Now that... We're in the 21st century. Abuse always just meant hitting. But now no, we realize no. there's so many different kinds of abuses yep. and we're recognizing that and they're no longer taboo, but we're speaking out about it. So could you give me an example
1: with just what you're comfortable with? Yeah, um, it was emotional. And this one is a typical one. And people, you know, word they say words will never hurt you. But oh, yes, they do. Mm hmm. Sometimes that's even worse than physical pain,
0: mm-hmm. and I've heard that quite a bit from women in abusive relationships. I would have rather have been hit, yeah, than the, the
1: the verbal abuse that I experienced. Yeah, because the verbal abuse be- beats you down. In my situation, and again, but for the grace of God, I didn't believe what he said. Okay, I didn't believe that you know, all I wanted was another man or, you know, the, the abuse was I wasn't supposed to see another man. I shouldn't talk to another man. I would go out with my eyes closed when I was in public.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He, and it would be always my fault. And so we fought a lot. His way of dealing with it a lot of times was the silent treatment, which again, that's a form of abuse. So, but yeah, I, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't go outside. You know, all the things I wanted to do as a mom, I never got to do. So it was
0: a very controlling <clears throat> dominating
1: yeah. situation yep. he was very controlling, very jealous, and I just want to speak to that a little bit because okay. a, another thing that people are so confused about and judgmental about is like, well, I would never let that happen to me
3: mm-hmm.
1: oh that's really easy to say, okay. but if you've never lived it, you can't say that right and again, it goes back to it's not always that way mm-hmm. and Once you get into that of you get beaten down, I didn't believe I was like a whore or any of the things that he thought, Mm -hmm. but you get to the point where you just are, okay, this is life. I want to keep peace. I want to still talk to the person that I love. I don't want my kids to see me fighting all the time, but that was pointless because it happened. You get to the point where it's just not worth trying to do anything about it. And, again, it's not bad all the time.
0: Now, okay, but speak to this. We live, and even back then, I mean, you and I, um, you know, we're definitely different ages, but we're around the same time of the big feminist movement, you know, the 80s and 90s of, of feminism. Did you not realize that what he was doing was wrong? Yeah.
1: And that's, again, where I think I'm a little bit different than... What I see sometimes is that I didn't believe that about myself. It never got to the point, even though we were married for 25 years, it never got to the point where I felt that way about myself, that I was the horrible person he described and that, you know, one of the things he would say was like, well, if I died tomorrow, you'd be in a bar, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, no, but that's how he felt. He was sick. I mean, that's that's one way of putting it. The verbal, the emotional abuse, there was sexual abuse. All of that is he was sick. He was so jealous and so fearful, and I was responsible for his entire emotional well-being.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not a spot anybody should have to be in, mm-hmm. but you get there. I can't explain it. I can't go back and... And it's hard for people to understand. But until you've had somebody treat you that way, you can't sit there and say, well, I would never let that happen to me. And, well, you should have known that was wrong. And why didn't you leave? Well, Well, I did.
0: And when you have kids in the picture, it adds more wrenches to me. Oh, yeah. It's
1: not that simple anymore. Right. And I will be honest, one of the biggest fears for me was that I would have to go to work. And leave my kids in daycare mm. and leave my kids. I never, ever wanted to have to do that.
0: So what happened? Because at one one point, this finally broke. Yep. What happened?
1: There was an anonymous call to social services. And it's still anonymous? You have no idea? I have no idea. Okay. And so they came out to our house. Do you and, know what the uh, yeah, accusation was? Yeah, I was, was going to say what the oh, accusation sorry. was, because you can't make something up like this. Okay. They told us that the person said that we told our younger kids that they had an allergic to fabric and had to be naked in the house. And one, why would anybody say that? Two... Kids run around naked in the house all the time. Right. I mean, if you have kids, you know, <laughs> <At> <laughs> like you have designated ages,
0: time for naked time. Yes. yes. Like
1: and when yeah. yeah, like when they're potty training and stuff. Sometimes that's just the easiest way to go. Right. You know, or you know, you live in northern Michigan. If you don't have air conditioning and it's hot, you're pretty much down to a diaper or underwear. Yeah. So they came, they talked to all of us. They talked to my younger kids. And and you had um, seven kids at this time. Yep. There were okay. seven of them. Uh, three were adults and then the four were um, under 18. Okay. <clears throat> they saw my behavior because whenever they come, they always have a police officer with them. And this was a male police officer. And so I'm doing my best to try to avoid even being able to see him. Okay. So So that was a red flag for them. That was a red flag for them. They have the training to look and see in situations. So they came back probably within a few weeks, said that they didn't believe that the, you know, accusations were founded and they apologized. They gave us like gift cards to Meyer and they just said to close their case. They needed to come inside and see where everybody slept and just make sure the house was safe. Okay. Okay. We let them in. Not really a good thing to do. I want to put that out there. Anybody who is involved with CPS, make sure you have somebody with you or a witness, or if they come to your door, call somebody, have somebody come over, because you really need to have somebody with you to hear everything that's being said and what's going on. Mm -hmm. You just just want to. It protects yourself. And to some extent, it protects them, because there are people then who can throw accusations back at them to say what they've done. So it's just better all around for everybody to know what everybody's doing. Okay. So then they left. Then they came back again on October 1st of 2009. It'll be always embedded in my head with a warrant to take my four youngest kids. Oh, my gosh. And they talked to me by myself. And, of course, I was still going along with everything, saying, you know, there's no problems. I don't know what the problem is. They just... And they don't spell anything out on a warrant. They just put on their, the kids are in danger, and that's all that has to be And said. so they
0: didn't tell you why the kids were in danger. And They nope. just said, we're coming to take your kids. They're yep. in danger. Okay.
1: Yep. That's it. That's all they have to do to get a judge to sign it. So we had to pack up the kids. Um,
0: what What is going through your mind at this point? Like, you're packing up their stuff. Yep. And you're trying to say goodbye to your kids, not knowing when you'll see them. I mean, what's happening here? It's... <laughs>
1: You know, I still can't really describe what my state was like. My state was like protect the kids as much as I can be like as normal as possible without freaking out. Um, And of course, there's, you know, a male detective there. And so I have all of this with my ex and knowing everything that's in his head. My older kids not knowing what's going on. So we packed up as much stuff as possible. The younger kids had no idea what was going on. We just said they had to go with them. And then they were gone. And we had to go to court the same day. So we went into court. We both were given You attorneys. and your ex-husband. Yep. You went to court. Okay. Yep. We had to go to court. to and, and again, the charges aren't really read to you. They're just, you know, this is the way it is. And you get your court-appointed attorney or you say you want you know, to hire an attorney Mm -hmm. and then you're done. And then a social worker came up afterwards and said, you know, write down any doctors, any medical conditions, any of this stuff that the foster care family needs to know about your kids. Well, how do you do that for four kids?
0: Did you know at that point (coughs) that your kids were going to go in the foster care when they came and took them out of your house? I mean, I
1: already knew that that's what the case was, but I didn't know the process. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that You know, we would end up going to court, but that was pretty much it. Okay, You know, I've got my three older kids, the adults They came with us to court, too. They were kind of all having their own little meltdowns, not knowing. And so I'm writing as much as I can. We drove home in silence. My ex packed a backpack, went to the front door, said, I've been through your boy toy phase and walked out. Your boy toy. What was
0: the like that's, accusing it, you of cheating? Or, yes. Okay. Accusing
1: me of he knew that things were going to change because they were not going to give the kids back without going through normal life. The kids were homeschooled. failed to mention that badly because he did it. And so he knew what the process would be is that life was not going to be the way he would not be in control. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Okay. He knew that he would not be in control. And yeah, the whole that statement was just. You know, no, again, like I said, that I didn't believe what he said. There was no ever that I never I had left him probably three or four times, but it was always because of his behavior, the jealousy, the controlling all of those things that complicated life so much. I never left because I wanted somebody else. I never left because I was cheating. I never left because I wanted to cheat. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make the marriage work. So over the course of the next six months, I had to comply with their conditions to reunify
0: there as in CPS's. cps's
1: yeah and one of those was what my attorney advised me is that i needed to say failure to protect now i i don't really want to go into details what i did find out what the charge was and Mm -hmm. why they thought that do i think it was right i understand from their viewpoint why they did what they did but i also think that there was another way around it other than taking the kids Mm -hmm. but that's here and there now right But um, so I pled failure to protect um, because he said it would just make the process longer. If I fought anything, we worked on that. The kids, luckily, were all put in the same foster care or foster care home. They weren't separated. They weren't separated, which Lord. Yeah. And which can happen. Unfortunately, my oldest at the time who was in foster care, we already knew that he had auditory processing disorder and he had a speech and language delay. He was 15 or 16 then. He's a very black and white kid. It was, you know, dad's gone. Why can't we go home? He was very angry and he ran away from foster care. They put him down in Pine Rust in Grand Rapids. They put him on antipsychotics because he said, you know, he wanted to kill the judge, blah, blah, blah. Now what's Pine Rust? Pine Rust is a Christian counseling center in, in Grand Rapids. They've got an actual um, in Grand Rapids, facility. Michigan. Okay. Yeah. And so I had supervised visitation with the kids, which always ended with us, you know, all crying and everything. And I knew I had to get a job. I'll back up a little bit. The him running away wasn't until like December, but in October, I knew right away I had, I was going to, they were going to make me have to get a job. So I hadn't had new classes in years and years. So I called the Traverse Life Center at Living Hope Church. Now, what is the Traverse Life Center? They support the community, people who have needs like glasses. You can't afford to get glasses. They have a food pantry. They will help with bills, but they also want to help you grow Mm -hmm. and not just put a bandaid on things.
0: Okay. And this is a nonprofit organization off of a church.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep. And at the time, who was the director of that is who I talked to, Roby Isaac. He told me about how to apply to get the glasses and everything and- When um, he had approved it, he had called me and I'd just come out of court that day. Again, some of these things are just indelible in your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in the car and I was already upset because, again, you know, it's like your kids aren't coming home. And that was when I knew that there was going to be this process of how long it would take. And he told me they were going to pay for the glasses. Mm -hmm. And then he asked me if I had a church. And I said, no, but I really know that I need to get back with the Lord. And he invited me to Living Hope. And I started coming there and I haven't left since. Mm-hmm. And that was my start of my walk with the Lord because I had no nobody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I was estranged from my family and I actually found out that day they came and took the kids that my dad had died and I didn't know that. Oh, no. I mean, I wasn't really super close with my parents. They gave birth to me. I love them. But. My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was an enabler. So yeah, I did a lot that I didn't stay around them. And I also know that now getting into my story, that was part of why I married who I married, because my dad was controlling, mm-hmm. except for the fact that he, you know, let my mom drink. <laughs> right. So um, so that's how I got to Living Hope. So I got new glasses. I started looking for a job. They sent me over to Michigan Works, which is a program to help you, like, write your resume. Find out what your skills are, where you want to work, what you want to do. So I was doing all of that. January, I ended up getting a job. I kind of thought they were going to let the kids come home after I got the job, but they didn't. I also enrolled at Northwestern Michigan College, our local community college. Didn't know what I wanted to do, but I also knew that I wanted to get a college education. I knew that having just the high school diploma wasn't going to take me very far. Mm-hmm. I started classes there to get an associate degree. Went to court. Again, we were in court probably every other month. I had filed divorce. I had, like, within the month that the, the kids got taken, I had filed for divorce. Now, why did you file for divorce? Um, One, I knew that it was over mm-hmm. in my own mind. It was okay. like there was no going back the day okay. he walked out that door. Mm-hmm. And the other was my focus was the kids.
0: And there was no way you were going to get your kids back nope. if he was still in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Nope. Nope. And I knew that. And nobody had to come out and tell me that. But I knew that would be the case. <laughs> right. I just kept doing everything I was supposed to do. And I got the kids back in March of 2010.
0: So how long had it been that they were? Six months. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine. But
1: that's short.
0: That is. You're right. It is short, but I still couldn't imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And that's the thing is typically the process is a year. Oh, my God. I mean, they, you end up having enough stuff to have to do. And again, God was in the picture Mm -hmm. because I really shouldn't have gotten them back. I mean, in my own head, yes, (laughs) but I did comply with everything. I Mm -hmm. did everything they told me to do happily. No. And that's another reason why working with other single moms and and working with anybody who is threatened with that or already has kids in the system. I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And it's hard and you don't want to do everything, and they have all these things, there's requirements, and then you need to have a job, and then you need to make sure you're doing this with your kids, and you have counseling, and you have all these things, and it's overwhelming, Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to do when you're the only person doing it. Mm -hmm. Plus, I had my other three adult children who also are emotionally damaged because of what they lived through, Mm -hmm. but there's not help for them. Mm. It's something that we had to, and they had to work out themselves, and still do because the focus is on the kids that are in foster care.
0: Okay. So you get the kids back and you started getting involved in a ministry called single mom ministry. Now, what led you to that ministry and why?
1: There was an article in the newspaper. They, they had only been around for a year. This is after the fact, I know this now, but they had an article saying that there was a a meeting, like a dinner gathering, any single moms could come. It was free. They wanted you to come and see what they were going to do. And just to have an organization for moms like that. So I went, you know, it wasn't formal. It was like everybody just sat at tables and, and talked. And then the director got up and it it was very small. There were probably maybe 15, 20 moms there. Mm-hmm. And at that time, because they'd only been around a year, most of the Programming, if you want to call it that, was just basically about moms getting together maybe once a month,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: having pizza, you know, just talking, just supporting one another, having a place for your kids to come with other kids and other moms who understood what you were going through. Mm -hmm. And as they grew, they would, they took on more staff, they took on people who mentored, you know, I would call the director, you know, coming home from work some nights, just you know, in tears because it's like, I can't do this anymore. And it wasn't that I wouldn't, but it's just you. It's exhausting. It is because we lived in Kingsley, which is about a 25 minute drive from Traverse City. My job was in town. The kids doctors, the kids counseling, the church I started to go to. Everything was here, but the kids were in school in Kingsley. I couldn't take time off work to go attend things at their school. If I had to bring them in for doctor appointment, that's a 20 minute drive in twenty drive it mine back, 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 back. And that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you've had kids in foster care, your case isn't closed when the kids come home. So I still had things I had to comply with. And you are under this threat of, if I don't do everything I'm supposed to do, they're going to take my kids again. Mm. And, it's exceedingly difficult. Mm-hmm. And without any support and without single mom having been there, I would not have gotten through it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I was also going to school at the time and it was online classes, but it's still doing something. It's still a lot. Yeah. Yep. And one of the early on things that Jennifer, who's the director of single mom, told me, because I would say I would get out of work, I'd drive home. And then I'd get in the house and then it was just everybody bombarding me. Mm. You know, all the kids from stuff from school, the older kids, depending on what was going on, you know, just just lots. And I would just be like, I, I, uh, you know, and she told me to sit in my car because I couldn't see when I'd get home and read a book, turn on music or just sit there for 15 minutes. And that helped immensely. It was just a way to come down mm. and not you know, have to think about everything, let work be done, and then go inside and face what was going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, through the process of the kids being in foster care and afterwards, there were so many times it would be crying out to the Lord, why, especially before the kids came back, I, there would just be screaming and <laughs> crying, you know, Lord, why is this happening? Why can't they come home? Look what it's doing to them. What? What? It, but God had a plan. Mm-hmm. We can't always see it. Well, we can't. Not always. We don't. Um, But uh, you want things and you pray and you don't understand why he doesn't answer. Is he even hearing you? But he does. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can get peace in that. I was driving into town one morning. It was before Christmas and there was no snow on the ground, but the sun was coming up. I was going to the Michigan Works employment thing, and it was just so peaceful looking. And I had this huge, huge sense of peace. And I'm like, how can I feel this way? My marriage is over. My kids are in foster care. My older kids are having all these troubles. I have no money. I have no support. I don't have friends. I have nothing. But God gave me this sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all of that, there was still the ability to focus and see that this will not be forever.
0: Okay. Let's recap. You you married into an abusive relationship. You have seven children. CPS is finally called in on you. The children get taken away. They're put into foster care. Through that time, you get a hold of a nonprofit organization called the Travers Life Center. It was off of a church and through that to get glasses, you end up going to church, giving your heart to Jesus. You get your kids back and now you're in survival. I mean, well, you've been in survival mode for quite a while, but you're in survival mode. You're involved in this ministry for single moms. How did, or what was the turning point of, I need to use this pain and turn it into purpose. What was that breaking point for, I don't know if breaking point's the right term, but what was the turnaround that you said, I can use this to be a blessing to other people?
1: I think it came gradually just from dealing with the system. My case got actually closed in September of the following year. Everything was done. I was no longer involved with CPS. I kept my kids in counseling, but there were no requirements anymore. There was nothing I had to fulfill, so there was no active case anywhere. And in the process of going to school, of course, when you go to get your associate's degree, you have to take all these classes that really mean nothing. But you got to take them no matter what you're going to go into. And so that's what I was doing in the process. And I actually started out... Kind of looking at, I liked when I worked in the law offices. I I was a legal secretary before I got married, and so I was actually looking at possibly coming uh, becoming a legal assistant. NMC had a program for that, so I was kind of aiming at that because I really liked working in the law. But as I did a couple of the classes in in reading more and just learning more, it was like I don't know. I thought about going on to become a lawyer. But then again, about myself, I liked the research part of it. I like to do those kind of things. And then NMC got rid of that program. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to be that anymore. What do I want to do? And the more I was involved with single mom and hearing stories from other moms, even, you know, they weren't involved in CPS, but just their stories and struggles being a single mom, I decided that I wanted to do something with advocacy And through Single Mom, they had different things that you could do that would show you kind of where your skill set was, where your passion was, what made your heart come alive. Mm -hmm. And always when I was doing any of those things, it was always about advocacy. It was always about helping people. So then I decided, well, there's not really a degree for advocacy but I need some sort of credentials to do something with. I can't just have an associate degree and then go walk into someplace and want to get a job. Well, why not? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you Step know, up, Patty. <laughs> I know it's like, yeah, I've had one psychology psychology class <laughs> and an abnormal psychology class. I have had nothing else. History and math and science. And then, mm-hmm. you know. So that's when I started to look around and I decided that the best basis for some sort of degree would have been social work. Okay. Um, because that kind of covers dealing with people, trying to help them through their difficulties. And you could kind of focus. I knew I didn't want to work like in a system like at CPS or in the office, like a department of human services, you know, with people who are getting food stamps and cash assistance and all that stuff. Cause a lot of that is just paper pushing. And you didn't actually have to have a social work at the time degree to do that. Um, they've changed that. Working for CPS, I, in my heart, I knew that I would probably be fired <laughs> because I wouldn't necessarily want to abide or go by the rules. Mm-hmm. You had a little jaded heart. I had a bit of you a needed, jaded heart. needed some healing there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I... I always want to see the good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always want to get... And that's give... really hard
0: in CPS because, I mean, I've met those workers. They're yeah. jaded because yes. they see... Not not everybody's like you right. where you say, yeah, I'm going to work hard to get my kids back. Yes. You know,
1: they don't come across that very often. No. And, and that was what was hard working with the system and my jadedness towards it because they weren't used to seeing that. Mm-hmm. They weren't used to looking at someone... I want to say it's a bad way to put it, but looking at someone as a human yeah, because they just it, it, it was a process. Like I said, they normally take a year. You do this. You follow this. You have this. And you're not looked at individually. Mm-hmm. And that's part of where I, I kind of have a problem with it. But I also understand that you can't do that to some extent after gone through the social work program and and now being at single mom. You just really have to look at things. They do the best they can under the circumstances that they're in, do I think there's changes that need to be made? Yes. Do I think that people should be individually seen? Yes. But it's hard. mm mm-hmm. it, And I want to see the good in everyone. But I think after you work at that and try to see that and you don't see it, that's where that comes in. And it's very hard to give the benefit of the doubt to everybody. hmm And so that's kind of where the turning point was, is in the process of going through. I just knew I had to have some sort of credentials. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I knew that that's where my heart was and where my passion was. And then as I continued to attend single mom events and single mom grew from 20 people, 30 people attending things to 100 to 200 women, and now we're this very large organization that 2019 to 2020, they served over almost 1500 single mom families and they had to turn away about a thousand and we're trying to enter into three more counties Mm -hmm. because there's just that need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is something that, I mean, it's, it's a Northern Michigan area ministry, but it is something that could take off nationally easy. Yes. No problem. No problem. So when did you graduate or how long are, okay, let me back up. How long did it take you as a single mother to go from the start of your associate's degree to now where you are with your bachelor's degree? How many years did that take? 11. 11 years to get a four-year degree. That should be encouragement for someone right now that no matter how long it takes, you can do it.
1: Yeah. And the way that the education system is now makes it, so much easier because you can take online classes. You don't have to do. I did a couple in person when I was at NMC. In fact, actually it was more like 10 years because I did take a year off in between because I got so burdened Mm -hmm. that I just just couldn't keep going. Plus, there wasn't enough online classes at the time for me to finish my associate's degree. And so I was just overwhelmed and I'm like, I can't do Mm -hmm. this. So I took a year off. God is so faithful in how he does things the social work degree, uh, there was one school that I knew of, I had been contacting them and had contacted them and it was very hard and they never got back to me. And then they finally did. And then they tried to tell me I'd have to do my internship down in the Detroit area where the school was. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Because I happen to know a missionary family who went through the online program and she was in China. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, that wasn't the truth, but I got so frustrated with it. So then I started looking at Another school and they had a hybrid program, but I would have to drive to Petoskey once a week for two years for um, a three hour class. My husband took that course. Yeah. And that's how I knew about that. And that would be, you know, two years every week. Driving that and you know what that was like, but he had you at home. Right. I had nobody
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I was working 40 hours a week. Mm I could not imagine doing that right I just know physically and emotionally that was not going to be an option for me and I'm just like I don't know what I'm gonna do but I was still doing my associate degree and then um, Spring Arbor University here in Michigan decided to put in an all online bachelor of social work degree okay and they're a Christian college mm-hmm. I was hugely blessed by that and so I was in the first set of class that went through that
0: okay so now what is your, now you've graduated, here you are. All your kids are adults now, except you have one left at home. He's yes. a senior this year? Yes. Oh my gosh, he's a senior. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> well, she knows him. She's watched him grow up. <laughs> I'm his other mother. I tell him that. I'm your other mother. I've helped raise you. <laughs> but... Okay, you've, you've gone through all this. You have now graduated, took you 11 years to graduate. You have your bachelor's in social work. What is your job position
1: now? I was hired to be the resource specialist at Single Mom. Basically, I am going through and finding all the resources. They had a, a basis for this. They've, they've accumulated information, but they want somebody now to be specifically specializing in it that single moms could have, housing, food, baby pantries, health. Car repairs, just all the stuff, everyday stuff that everybody needs. But when you're a single parent, some of that comes very, very hard Mm -hmm. and you don't have time to try to find it. Um, we'll have moms come in and some will stay and want to get mentored. Others are coming, looking for specific help. We don't turn you away. You don't have an obligation to anything. You come and call and we will try to help you mm-hmm. or direct you. A lot of it because of my job is a lot of it is directing to the resources, mm-hmm. letting you know when the food pantries are, letting you know where you can get help if you're pregnant. Trying to help you through the process of your divorce or custody issues. And I mean, the biggest thing I'm wearing the shirt today that says, be the good coffee. Our biggest focus is, is you're not alone. Yeah. We're here. Mm -hmm. We will hear. We will listen to you.
0: And not all of these women are single because they came from abusive relationships. Some Mm -mm. are widowed, you know, and they were widowed very young. And so now they don't know where to go. And so you're offering uh, in this ministry, you're helping women in all walks of life Mm -hmm. of of being a single mother. So not just ones. I mean, yes, you have the the abusive relationships and they need that help. But then there are other walks of life, Mm -hmm. too it's been very encouraging to watch you because I met you when your kids were in foster care after mm-hmm. everything kind of went down and you started coming to church, you gave your heart to Jesus and you yes. just watching you grow in Christ and know your identity. Mm-hmm. Why do you think women cling to that identity of single mom? Cause you said at the beginning, my identity first and foremost is I am a child of God. I am a daughter of God. And that's the way we should always be looking yep. at ourselves. Why do you think, I see it all the time. Why yep. do they cling to that? Well, I'm a single mom. And- because
1: you lose your identity. I mean, even people who are married, when you get married or when you have kids, whether you're choosing to have them with a partner or without a partner, your identity starts to blend in with your kids. Mm. You're a mom. Mm-hmm. And if you've never had a relationship with Christ, or if you have, and it was like mine was, there was always something deep in there that I knew there was more, but I never got to more with him because nobody ever nurtured that. Nobody ever told me, nobody ever talked to me about it. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from, is that if you've never been taught You've never been talked to or encouraged or told who you are. That's where your identity comes from is what you do, what you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, back when I first met you and when everything happened, my first thought was not, I'm a daughter of the king. Right. This is something that has grown. This Mm. is something that has happened in the course of all this by going to church, by being surrounded by that community. Mm -hmm. And, That being nurtured and also when you're so busy with other things, you can't hear God. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You don't have time for it. You Mm -hmm. fall into bed exhausted every night. You're lucky if you say thank you that I made it through another day. Mm -hmm. And if you're a mom who does not know Christ and does not have that hope in you, you don't have any other identity. You don't know what else to talk about, what to think about, because Mm -hmm. that's your life 24 hours a day.
0: Mm -hmm. What what about your kids? Do you feel that your kids maybe held on to that identity when they were younger of, I'm a child of my dad being abusive, or I'm a child of foster care, or whatever? Did they hold on to any of those negative identities? Oh, yeah.
1: And that's why getting help for your kids is very important. I talk about it with my youngest son and and with other people he lived the least amount of time with his dad he was six when it happened i don't want to say it this way but it's the truth he's got the least damage
0: Mm, okay
1: and my older kids they still are carrying baggage okay it goes on into your adult life and and my older kids are not walking with the lord but i'm still there as an example for them so there's hope Mm -hmm. um but yeah, your kids and, and your kids will take on whatever your attitude is. Mm, that's good. That is part of it, too. And that's the other thing. Like you said, I was in survival mode. And a lot of people will say, you know, well, you were a victim and you're living as a victim. And yes, and you can do that. You also have to understand that you don't have to. Yeah. And you, you don't, don't have stay to there stay that way. You can't stay there. <clears throat> no. And, and you chose not to stay there. Right. I didn't know what else to do. I mean, my my whole focus was I'm going to get my kids back. I need to have a life. I have no idea. This is not in my plans. This was not in my focus. It was not in my future. I had no idea. And that's hard. And if you don't have support system, if you I mean, I don't want to be down on anybody. But if you don't have an education, if you don't have anybody who's ever told you that you are worth anything, you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to stay in victim mode. Mm -hmm. I have said it before and even working where I'm at, I have to remember that regardless of somebody else being coming from an abusive situation or they're suddenly a single mom because their significant other left because Mm -hmm. they were cheating or whatever, they just don't want to be with that person anymore. Whatever, however you get to that point, you have to make that choice. You have to decide, am I going to stay a victim or do I love my kids? Do I love myself? And I'm not going to live this way. Yeah. But that's not something you can just step out and do and, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Because it it revisits you all the time. Mm -hmm. Because when things get hard, it's very easy. And that's part of the cycle of abuse, too. What you know is way easier than what you don't know. Mm. And it's very easy, even if it harms you, even if you're afraid, even if you are a victim, it's very easy to stay in wherever that is than it is to step out and suddenly have your kids, no spouse. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And make that choice. My choice was made for me. But that's part of when you're a victim or when you're in abuse or when you've had trauma. You have to remember that whenever you're talking with anybody who's, when, who's gone through it. I mean, that's my biggest thing to anybody that deals with a single parent. Don't judge. Mm -hmm. you have no idea why they're in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I even tell my kids when, you know, like you were talking about, do they live like I'm a a child of a single mom or whatever? You know, they can see and go to a friend's house and they're married and their house is this way and their life is this way. Well, yes, you're there. Everybody puts on masks. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. You have no idea that mom and dad just fought an hour before you came to their house. Mm-hmm. You have no idea that they didn't go around and stuff things into closets so their house didn't look a mess.
0: Did you come to my house earlier? <laughs> right. You saw me putting all my <laughs> dirty stuff in the closet.
1: Yep, exactly. So it happens to everybody.
0: Now, I am a huge advocate for preventative ministry because we can help the church or we can help single moms all day long. But we also want to get to the place where we're preventing these tragedies in situations mm-hmm. like yours from happening, where we're educating our married couples before mm-hmm. they get married. We, yep. we are working hard in children's ministry because it's so much easier to mold a child than yep. it is to fix a broken mm-hmm. adult. However, even though I'm a huge advocate for preventative ministry, what can the church do now to help single
1: moms outside of preventative ministry? The biggest thing, again, is what I just said, don't judge. Mm-hmm. It's a huge burden on anyone when you've walked through trauma, abuse, and even not. Even if it's because your spouse left because they decided they didn't love you anymore. Your identity just goes. It's like, what did I do wrong? Why doesn't he love me? Could Did I need to clean the house better? Did I need to do this better? And so my biggest thing is, is that... The church needs to just recognize and and walk what they preach. Bring a single parent a meal or offer to babysit for an hour so that they can go out and get a cup of coffee.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Show them that they're loved. Show them that it doesn't matter what they did, that they're still accepted, mm-hmm. that God doesn't care. And don't be two-faced about it. That's another thing is that if you're going to tell the single mom how proud you are of them or dad. And tell them that oh my gosh I just can't imagine being and doing what you're doing that's awesome, but then turn around and say something to somebody else about the fact that well they made that choice mm-hmm. okay but you've made choices too
0: yeah
1: we're all sinners. and some of them
0: haven't right yeah right you didn't, you didn't make the choice to be single that was kind of mm-hmm. made for you <laughs> right
1: a widow a
0: widow's Is that choice it? was made for her right she, or she, when
1: that that spouse walks out yeah or partner walks out because mm-hmm. whatever.
0: When CPS comes and says if you don't divorce, right. You know, because of this abuse mm-hmm. or we take your kids, you
1: don't have a choice. Yeah. In that in yep. that moment. Yep. And that's the thing is that we all have choices to make. We all make bad choices. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. And again, we're all sinners. It doesn't matter what choice you've made. Mm-hmm. And and that's my biggest thing, you know. Do you really want to be like Christ mm-hmm. well then show it okay
0: now speak to the single moms no matter how they became a single mom but they're living in that victim mentality and they're saying well I can't do anything because I'm a single mom or that they've clung to that identity as someone who is now on the other side who mm-hmm. has made a success out of herself mm-hmm. who has taken her pain and has brought purpose out of it, what would you say to that to that single mom? There's hope.
1: Mm-hmm. Do not give up. Do not buy into and live in the lies that society is throwing at you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, you're a single mom. Now what are you going to do about it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not easy. Again, it's about choices. You can make the choice mm-hmm. coming from the, the aspect of, oh, well, you need to do this, this, and this. Yeah, I know. I get it. I hated it. I cried. I got mad. I didn't want to do things. But do you love your kids? Mm -hmm. Do you love yourself? Give yourself the credit that you can do this. And even if it is just one thing today that you can do, Mm -hmm. do it. Then tomorrow, get up, take another breath, do something else.
0: And you just take it one step at a time. You have to take it
1: one step at a time. If you focus on the big picture and think, oh, my gosh, I can't do this for the next five years. I can't do this for the next year. No, but you can do it for the next hour. You can do it Mm. for the next minute. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And sometimes that's what it's going to take. I could not have seen where I am today 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, my life completely fell apart on that day in October of 2009. I mean, I had no life. I had no purpose other than getting my kids back. But I had nothing. Mm -hmm. And you feel like that. And I get it. Mm -hmm. And I know you just want to curl up in a little ball and cry. Okay, put a video in, go in the bedroom, let your kids sit there. They're not going to die or be (laughs) damaged because you're letting them watch TV. Because you put on Paw Patrol. Right. (laughs) You know, go in the bathroom, go in the shower, cry, call a friend, put on music, do something.
0: And I would add to that. What you did is surround yourself with a church family Yes, because you need one. You need to know who you are in Christ and through church, a good gospel preaching church. You're going to learn who you are because you cannot find out what your unique purpose is until you learn who Christ is. Right. And you need that family that surrounds Mm -hmm. you that says, you know what? You can do this. Yep. You're going to make it.
1: Yep. And there is that in you. I mean, I, I'm not a morning devotion person. I'm not a morning person. Amen, sister. (laughs) So my devotions are at night before I go to bed. I fall asleep praying, but you don't have to leave it to a devotion time. I talk to God all day. Right. If I see something posted online and somebody wants prayer for something, say a quick prayer. Then you are never walking alone. Mm -hmm. It feels like it oh, my goodness, you feel like the whole weight of the world is on you. You've got kids crying. You've got schools telling you that your kid got a D on an exam. I'm sorry to my children. You never had that happen.
0: (laughs) Well, there's seven of them, so we don't know which one it is. So it's moot. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But, um, But whatever the pressures are, whatever the problem is, just take a deep breath, say a word to God. And, I mean, I have done this where I've gotten so upset and so worried and so fearful. And I didn't pick up the phone and call someone because I realized that all I needed to do was just breathe and say, Jesus. Yeah, You don't even have to say anything. Yeah, You can just sit there and just say his name because he will be there. He will walk with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to do anything special. That's been my biggest thing is with my walk with Christ is that he's there. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely amazing. And you will never know unless you try. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. Patty, we could go on for another hour, but (laughs) we have to wrap it up. I always love talking to you and I love your story. And just thank you for sharing that. For the world to hear because there are other And and I don't want to disclude dads. There are a lot of single dads out there that need help. And they can learn from your story, too, that it's not just single moms that need to know who their identity in Christ is. But men, single dads need to know that they are a son of God first, that single dad is not their identity, and that they can also be overcomers in trying to teach their children. And they need to also get involved in a church to surround them yes. and be Most a blessing and, and, and be their cheerleader too. Yes. So thank you for sharing. Uh, I love you, Patty. Mm-hmm. And you're my hero. Oh, I love you too. Thank you joining Patty and I for that conversation on the Unique On Purpose podcast. And if you are a single parent out there, I hope this gave you the encouragement that you need to be an overcomer. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And just as a reminder, you were created Unique On Purpose. You are loved, and because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next time.